Hello, and welcome to the Student Ministry Conversations podcast with your hosts, Brent Aiken, David Pruitt, and Russell Martin. This podcast is all about equipping, encouraging, and inspiring youth pastors weekly with topics that are brought to the table by youth pastors from all over the world. And now, here's your host for this week, David Pruitt. Hello and welcome to the podcast. If this is your first time listening to us, we want to welcome you and invite you over to our website, www.studentministryconversations.org, where you can find all of our previous episodes, show notes, blog articles, and much more. Our goal is that you are inspired, encouraged, and the things that you hear on this podcast would equip you to be a better student pastor for the church that you are serving in. And as a quick little plug to go a little bit rogue on our our notes, um, I've heard a lot of people talking about needing calendars for like the summer and the fall and different things like that. Uh, Brent, one of our hosts here, um, created a really cool uh, calendar template um, that is a freebie on our website. Go check that out. Check out our merch and different things like that. Um, Might get in trouble for that, but sometimes it's nice to give a little plug. (laughs) So, all right, let's get to it. Today, we are sitting down with Stephen O'Neill, who is the associate pastor at Lane's Chapel in Tyler, Texas, yeah? Yeah, correct. Awesome, man. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, I'm originally from Tyler, Texas, so I'm serving back home. Uh, grew up here, went to, went to high school, went off to college, uh, Texas A&M University, graduated in 2001. And uh, when I went to college, I thought I was going to be a medical doctor. And uh, God just, man, through a bunch of ministries in college, God just grabbed a hold of me and felt the call to full-time ministry. And so it was kind of a, a massive pivot on what I thought my future was going to be, but I uh, can't imagine being anywhere different. Uh, ended up uh, graduating from there. I grew up Baptist. Um, I know I serve at a Methodist church now, but grew up Baptist, ended up going to Baptist seminary uh, for a long time uh, after I graduated from college and got a master's in divinity and biblical languages. And then shortly after felt called to return to seminary and pursue a PhD. And I actually never finished it. I got fairly close, got close enough to get a second master's degree, and I've got that in theology uh, with an emphasis in Christian education. So I've been to a lot of school, uh, served in several churches uh, throughout the the South, Southeast, and Texas, in Louisiana, in Georgia, and now I'm back home in Texas. I'm married to uh, Melissa. We'll be married uh, 18 years coming up here in July, so about a month from now. Uh, we actually met on eHarmony.com, so uh, kind of a cool way to, to meet your spouse online back, you know, 20 years ago almost. Uh, we have daughter Macy. She's 16. We're trying to uh, teach her how to drive right now, which is a trying, trying thing. You, Us youth pastors, we try to tell people how to raise their kids before we actually had our own teenagers, and now that I'm a youth pastor with a 16-year-old, I'm like, it's not hard to teach your kid how to drive. It's way harder than you could have ever imagined. Um, but uh, besides uh, working in the church and doing doing student ministry and just kind of all other duties as assigned here at the church, I officiate uh, high school uh, football and then uh, umpire high school and college baseball at the small college level, kind of everything below below Division One. I, I travel around the southeast during the spring and southwest and uh, an umpire. So. It's a little bit about me, and I hope that covered what you were looking for. And that's awesome. You do quite a bit, for sure. I'm not good at not being busy, so. I feel that. I uh, I have a nasty habit of turning passions into businesses, and I never was that way. It's just like, man, my wife was asking me the other day, she's like, do you ever do anything just for fun? I'm like, I guess not. 
I need to, I need to learn how to not um, do that. But anyway, <laughs> so today we are talking about developing biblical literacy in our students. Uh, such an important and vital topic um, in any ministry to um, talk about biblical literacy. So um, tell us a little bit about that. Uh, it was something you said you were really passionate about. Yeah, it kind of, I guess, goes with a lot of my, my education. When I was in seminary, I started off, I knew I wanted to be in youth ministry, and I started with a with an emphasis. I was going to do like a MDiv in Christian education or a master's of the arts and uh, Christian education, different tracks that they offered. And, and I realized really quickly I wasn't going to be super challenged in seminary because I moved to New Orleans to go to school and it was just going to kind of be not a lot. So I, I ended up transitioning to work in biblical languages where you had to take Greek, you had to take Hebrew and do all these exegesis classes and some of these preaching classes. And it really developed a passion in me and in the Bible, which is which is great, but it really about how to teach the Bible and how to to preach the Bible. And I was I was single when I was in seminary, and uh, there's not a lot of single young guys that ended up in the track I was in. I was hanging out with a lot of married people, and so that was that was good because I got a lot of food. But when it came to that, they were all on like kind of the pastor track. They all wanted to be pastors and learning how to do. Um, expository preaching and, and things like that was what they were learning about. And I kind of latched onto that. And it just really helped me kind of shape my ministry um, from the beginning, just how it's important to take scripture and use that as the basis for what you're going to teach, instead of always trying to come up with some catchy topic that's going to, you know, make a cool Instagram graphic and get a kid to church. But just using the Bible as the basis. I mean, we're, we don't like start in the beginning and go through the end every year. But we really try to be intentional on on what we teach, and um, my pastor here does it as well. I mean, he's he he doesn't he uses the lectionary sometimes when he preaches, but for the most part, he he does sermon series and he'll go through books of the Bible. I mean, he's gone through New Testament books, Old Testament books. Right now, we're going through the Book of Acts, and it's kind of cool. Like I found out today, I'm actually preaching in uh, a week and a half, which is great. Sometimes I like better notice than that, but um, uh, I just kind of pick up in the middle of his sermon series, and so it makes it easier for me, but when it comes to, you know, developing that literacy in students, it, it's super important because so many times we just kind of skim the surface of scripture with them, and we just go to the easy stories or the easy stuff from the gospels that's easy to teach, easy to understand, and we don't really ever go deeper or find, you know, kind of the deeper parts in scripture, and I think our calling as, as student pastors is to develop kids that are, you know, going to have their own faith and they're going to be able to take the Bible and, you know, rightly divide scripture and they're going to go to college and they're not going to have us and they may not plug into a church and they're going to be challenged, especially in the way culture is today. So I think the most we can, the more we can do with the Bible, the the better. And throughout my time in in different ministries, you see that when those sixth graders come in and some of them know the Bible really well and some of them you're talking about a story that you think they might should know about. And they look at you with you like you got four heads. So um, it's just been one of my passions for a long time to try to teach them maybe a little deeper than I should sometimes. But uh, at the same time, I'm hoping that it, it catches on. And throughout the years in ministry, um, I've seen kids grow, grow a lot through it. That's awesome, man. I, uh, it's interesting how I, I try to mix, um, We'll have somewhere it's like topical, um, but I try to make sure that every other one 
is direct. Like, let's just open the Bible and see what it has to say for us today. Today, we're marching through Acts chapter one tomorrow, you know, next week, Acts chapter two, or, you know, some of those books where you're like, well, Acts chapter one is actually three weeks or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, but I think it's really, really important to, to do that where you can sit down and talk about it and, um, and then dig even deeper in small groups. We do small groups every once tonight. And, um, I just think it's incredibly important to teach, um, to teach that, to teach prayer methods, to teach, you know, ways to not only worship, but to, but to, um, to dig deeper into um, scripture, to pray, to have a that relationship with God that they have to figure out on their own. Because, I mean, you were kind of alluding to it. We can't have a faith of our parents or our pastor or our youth pastors. It's got to be um, developed for them and, and, and by them. So I think that's huge. Um, I guess my question here is, um, why do you think that so many people avoid teaching directly from the Bible um, as opposed to, say, like a topical study? Because it's hard. I mean, it's hard to, it requires work. Um, it requires finding curriculum that you trust in places that you know won't just, you know, start over again and again and again. I know when I first started in ministry, um, that big Sunday school uh, thing at my church and we had multiple classes and the company at the time that we used for our curriculum, it was like they kept revamping what they were doing. And every time they would revamp what they were doing, they would just like start over again almost. And they would go back to the same things over and over and over and over again. And so we eventually changed to, to something else and um, just trying to find something that would, you know, focus those things. And I would know as a youth pastor, you know, where we're going for the next year, say on Sunday mornings. I would have a kind of a scope and sequence of what they were going to learn. And uh, here we meet, you know, all together for Sunday school in our youth ministry. But I know basically for six years of the kids here, I know what he's going to get in six years or she's going to get. But I think a lot of people just avoid it because sometimes they don't understand it. Sometimes maybe they don't have the tools or don't know where to go get the tools to, to truly learn how to teach that. And there's, there's a lot of resources out there on how to teach the Bible, how to teach teenagers and it's hard sometimes to take a passage of scripture that, you know, the, the youth pastor may not really understand or may not really know how he can apply that into the lives. Because so many times we we focus so much on application, which is good because we want the students to be able to take something that we've taught and, you know, go out and use it immediately. But sometimes I think we can go deeper into stories because those stories have been around for so long in scripture. And we teach through the whole thing and man, the stuff there is so deep. And then it kind of application comes out of that, not some catchy thing. And I, I heard you say that you like to you know do topical then do, do biblical and you can still do topical and do biblical at the same time. I mean, we can take a topic and we can go look and see, you know, Paul talked about a lot of stuff in the old, in the new Testament, or we can go and demand the book of Genesis. There's so much stuff there in the, you know, the Pentateuch early in scripture about God dealing with his people and how, God deals with his people today in a lot of the same ways. Um, so I just think sometimes we're lazy. I think sometimes we want the easy way out or um, I mean, sometimes our church may hand us something and say, this is what we have to teach. And we don't go dig in and, and make it our own. Oh, for sure, man. And I, I found just looking and, and I, I typically write everything that we do. Um, I don't go outside of, um, of that mostly because I have a, I've always had more of a leaning of the better relationship that you have with your students, the better, you know, exactly what they 
need to talk about, you know, not only where, where you need to get them by the time they graduate, but also things that they're struggling with. Um, and I remember a few years back, we had a student who uh, passed away to a, due to a uncurable brain tumor. I always get choked up when I talk about it. I'm sorry. Um, and, uh, you know, our students were in a place where we spent a solid year just praying hard. And we knew that it was an uncurable tumor from the start, but we also know that we serve a big God. And if God chooses to heal her, he can and will. Um, and, uh, but at the same time, you know, for students who have grown up with this, with this friend in their life, all their life, and, you know, they have such trust in God and God doesn't answer the prayers in the way that they wanted. Um, you know, we could have just kept going on about how good, good God is. Um, and they would have totally lost it. Um, because in that moment, what they really needed to hear is, um, how to find your way back to God, because, you know, early on it was anger and it was almost resentment and bitterness towards God. Like, is it, you know, and so we, we kind of shifted into, is it okay to be angry with God? Is it okay to be upset with God? Is it okay to doubt God? And then from there, um, we did a whole series on finding your way back to God. And it was looking at different people in scripture who struggled for whatever reason. I mean, obviously Thomas was a big one, um, to talk about and all kinds of different people in, in scripture. But, um, and so it was, it was very much an idea where we could take a topic and just say, okay, this is the topic. What does the Bible say? This is the topic. So it's not as much as like, you know, you go on, on say Sunday cool or something and grab a, uh, a topic on there. And I guess one of the things that I've struggled with curriculums and maybe you've seen the same is sometimes it's like, okay, so today we're talking about, uh, like we're in a summer series called baggage and it, it might be the idea of like, okay, open up to Matthew chapter six, verse one, and that's your entire scripture, just the, the one verse. And I'm like, um, well, first off, what's the context? What came before? What comes after? What comes during, you know, like I can't do one verse. It has to be an entire passage. Um, because I think that's one of the dangers in, digging into scripture is if we just take, you know, we cherry pick this verse and this verse and this verse and just try to make a whole message out of it or lesson out of it. Um, we often get context wrong. And I think that's, that's one of the worst things that we can do to teach students. So tell me a little bit about that for your experience, especially for someone who's much more educated than I am. I don't, that's just a bunch of classes. It doesn't mean anything. Uh, well, kind of I'll start with a story a little bit we got back from camp a couple of weeks ago and we go to we go to generate camp by YM360 we used to go to our associational Methodist camp kind of in this area for a while and just I developed a relationship with generate people and we take our kids there now and I always trust their speaking trust their worship I know things are going to be good and this was our sixth or seventh year going and um I always, a lot of times I know the speaker before I get there. I know who he is. I, I pick the camp based on the speaker because I want to know what my kids are going to learn. And we've been <clears throat> really lucky every year, even this year, we were very lucky. We had amazing talent on the stage, amazing biblical, biblical communicators. And, but most of the ones we've had prior to this year were pastors. That was their, their, their vocation. They, some, they traveled and did camps and did, you know, retreats and things like that, but they, you know, Monday through Friday, they're they're preaching to the church. And when Sunday came, they were they were back home after camp preaching at their church. 
and I did a great job, you know, walking through the topic of camp, and it was, it's always been really good, I and mean, we look forward to Generate every year. Well, this year, we had a speaker I'd never heard of before, and he did a great job. I mean, he was he was excellent. He, but I could tell the very first night that my kids were going to be in for something a little different because he was an evangelist. He was not a, a a pastor, per se. He was an evangelist by trade, travels and does it all the time. And he's really good at it. I mean, for me, I've never understood this, but evangelists, sometimes they always like to hold the wireless microphone in their hand. The pastor guys wear the head worn mics. I don't know why the evangelist wants the, the stick mic, but they always do. But he, he, he did great. And he really taught my students well about how to share their faith, about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. And it, it was really, really, really good what he talked about. Well, I told y'all earlier, I have a 16 year old daughter and uh, I was talking to her and some of my students as we were, I can't remember if it was on the way home from camp or the day after we we got home from camp. And that she, she said this, and then one of my other students said this to me as well. Like we didn't really connect with Ryan like we had the speakers in the previous years. And I said, oh, why? I said, I thought he was great. I thought he was good. I thought he you know did a good job, what he was there for. He goes, well, he didn't really go that deep in scripture. He would just like pick a verse and they were good verses and he would talk about it. And then we would like go to a different topic and he'd have like a different verse. And then he would talk about that. And he goes, you and and, and, your, and our pastor, Pastor Jeff Gage, been here at Lane's Chapel about as long as I have, a little bit longer than me. Um, he goes, y'all y'all take scripture and y'all like teach the scripture and you go through it and you you go deeper. And that's what we, that's what we like. And, and that's what the, that's what this guy did at camp last year and this guy the year before. And I was like kind of sitting there in the car as I was driving. I was like, wow, like what we're trying to do here from a top down level at our church is working because we're teaching, you know, exegetically, um, expositorily preaching scripture to these students, whether it be in our youth ministry or in in worship um, through the sermons the pastor teaches and the kids are, are hungry for that. And when they don't get that, they see it. And I had to explain to them, hey, there's nothing wrong with what we learned at camp. I mean, his topics were, you know, conversations every believer needs to have and it was you know conversations with with other believers uh, conversations with God and conversations with unbelievers and if our kids can figure that out and take their knowledge of scripture they can go change the world but the fact that they were seeing that okay he's teaching differently than y'all teach and this is what we like because we like taking the scripture and understanding the context and understanding where to go I mean, it's taken, you know, I've been here 10 years and I raised my daughter all 16 of her life and my pastor's been here 10 years. But the fact that we're able to see fruit in that is to me pretty amazing because we see that change in their lives and the way that they want to un unpack scripture is to me, I think the biblical way. So I, I think that's pretty cool. For sure, man. I, I think that's incredible. Um, you know, it, it, you always kind of wonder in the back of your head if, the things that you're teaching is really getting through. Um, and then in moments like that, uh, we, we had something somewhat similar um, where it was just the, they felt really good about worship and they felt good about everything that had happened. Um, and it wasn't like camp specific. It was a, a different type of event, but the one thing that they had mentioned was the speaking and they, they felt like, man, he clearly is a great pre preacher. He has tons of energy and he's dynamic, but man, I just didn't feel like we went deep enough. And that's the thing that they kept saying is like, was like, right when he'd start to go deep, it was like, he would shift. And it's like, you know, I I'm super ADHD. They know that they know we're going to go all over the place, but at the same time, um, that's okay because we're still going deep. 
we may rabbit hole 10 times, but we're going deep, you know? And so it's been really cool to hear some of those things and, and to, to get some of that feedback um, and, and understand that they do care about context. They do care about going like, you know, I feel like as much flack as youth get these days about not understanding, or, you know, I've even heard like, I have a six-year-old um, and, uh, I've been told his generation is being called the unknown generation because people believe that by the time that they are adults, that people won't know Jesus at all, um, at least in America. And it's, it's a terrible thing to think about. Um, but I think it's proof that if, if the youth today um, want a real genuine deep relationship with Jesus, they don't want the surface level stuff. Then that gives me a whole lot of hope for, the next generation and my son for that matter. So um, I, I think that's really cool to hear that from your students too, man. Yeah. And I think that it happens the same way in a church too. I mean, the people, they want to know, I mean, the God's word makes us hungry for more God's word. And, and I think the more that we can communicate that to this generation, and it's hard with this generation because they don't, they're so engaged with their screens and they're so engaged with their phones and, and whatever their social media that it, we don't always know if they're listening. We don't always know if they're, they're connecting. And I think if we take the time to have those intentional conversations with them about what they're hearing, sometimes they're hearing stuff that we don't think they're hearing. We think we're teaching and we're missing them, but they're actually hearing it. And for some reason they have the capability to have their AirPods in, to have their phone in their hand and to have their Bible app open at the same time and be doing 12 different things. And not that I encourage that in my youth ministry while I'm teaching, but I think that sometimes we expect them to solely sit there like 50 years ago or 40 years ago and just sit there and stare at you while you teach them. But that's not how these kids learn. And, and they, they get stuff in, in different ways. And I think that our teaching style Besides the content, I think style can can help too. I think being able to mix it up, like you mentioned, small groups that y'all do, um, things like that, things like doing inductive teaching sometimes where the kids are teaching themselves. They don't realize they're teaching themselves, but you're kind of prompting them and they're going to the scripture and they're finding the topic and they're answering it in you know, groups and then bringing it back to the big group. Letting them, them discover stuff on their own is super helpful because they're going to have to at some point. They're not always going to have, you know, you or me sitting there holding their hand. I mean, college ministry, depending on where they go to college, always is hit or miss. So um, I think that it's hard because it's not the easy way to do it sometimes. And it takes it out. Sometimes it takes control out of our hands when we're doing the inductive type teaching. But at the same time, we've got to let them figure it out on their own. And we're just supposed to kind of be their guide. For sure, man. I think that's always um, an incredible um, test of where they are too. And I think it's important too, and I would encourage um, those student pastors that are listening, take time to like quiz your students. And I don't mean in the sense of like, like homework test or anything else like that, because they hear that and they're, that's, that's an immediate wall, you know, don't use the word test or quiz or whatever, but just kind of, you know, casually ask them, Hey, you know, what are some things that you're, you're finding in your, your quiet time, you know? And if they, they tell you that, you know, if they look at you and say quiet time, what's that, then that gives you an opportunity to encourage them. But, you know, it's like you said, building that relationship and, and, and taking the time to, to really see these students really are hungry for a whole lot more. And, you know, and, and taking that, that, you know, few seconds to say, Hey, what, 
you know, what are you reading about? What is, what's is God teaching you um, in this period of time? And, it, and, and a lot of times the answer I get is, well, I'm reading, but I just, I feel like I'm so busy. I'm not getting anything. I'm like, okay, well, you know, what, what are some things that we can do to help with that? You know, um, if, if time is, is a struggle, you know, what, what's, you know, a couple of things that maybe are getting in the way of that. And, you know, let's, let's talk about that. Or, you know, my favorite thing is if you're really struggling and you do have a little bit of extra time, I'd love to sit down and get some coffee with you and let's just, let's dig in together. Let's talk. And it doesn't even have to be us as youth pastor. It could be, Hey, go grab one of our adult volunteers that you really, really trust. And, um, you have a good relationship with, I guarantee you, they would love to take you out to lunch or take you out for coffee or a drink at Sonic or whatever it might be, you know, and let, let's dive deeper and, and get the opportunity to ask those questions. Yeah. I think sometimes we don't expect enough out of our students either. I think that sometimes we want to baby them and want to think that they, they can't handle stuff. And sometimes the church is the only place that is that way, because if they're involved in sports or in, my daughter's in, you know, theater and band and orchestra, theater and color guard and orchestra at her school. And they all ask a lot out of them. And the kids are always willing to step up and do whatever it takes to do those things. And I think sometimes in the church, the kids get bored and they don't really want to engage or really, you know, try to go deeper sometimes because we're not expecting them to. And I think if we give them, you know, a challenge to meet, I think that sometimes some of those kids are going to be willing to to step up. And I mean, you've got some kids that'll never do it. Some kids that are just kind of there, they're flies on the wall. I mean, I've got one right now that he's a junior and I keep waiting for him to mature and become a leader. And I think I'm going to mature and be out of youth ministry before he decides to become a leader. But uh, just, I think he's got so much potential, but he just doesn't seem to be able to, to, to harness it. But I think that we we can expect more out of them. And part of that is is teaching them. I mean, I love the idea of quizzing them, like you said, of of giving them things. The the curriculum we're using on Sunday mornings right now, I always think it's funny. It's a 52-week curriculum and we're about done and about to roll into the next one here in about a month. But every every lesson at the beginning, it has this thing where you're supposed to put up the where you've been for the whole year. We don't do it every time, but kind of talk about where you've been and talk about this and talk about all that, just to kind of give the students a big picture of this is what we're doing. We may have been talking about this small thing for the last three weeks, but for the last 52 weeks, we've talked about this big picture of scripture and how everything ties together. And I just think when they can grasp a hold of that, it, it makes it makes a big difference. It makes a big difference. And that's what we all want is, is this avocation or vocation, vocation that we have is to have kids that grow closer to Jesus. And there's lots of ways to do it. And it works different in every context, but um, one thing I think that can work in every context is sound biblical teaching. I totally agree, man. And I think if you are that that person that is mostly topical, um, maybe you don't just specifically open up your Bible to Acts and just to see what it has to say for you in today's context. Um, I would really encourage you that as you pick your topics, Think about how they relate to one another. Um, I think that I think there is um, something really, really important. I love um, with every series um, as I as I tie up one series and move on to the next series. Um, I like to talk about how our next series is going to correlate with our current series and how that correlates with the series before last and the series before that and the series before that. So they begin to understand that. Um, every year I have a specific theme um, 
that I really want to tackle for that year. Um, and, uh, then I even tie back our themes where I can say for the last three years, we talked about, um, joy. We talked about peace. We talked about compassion and we talked about the idea of evangelism. Um, and, and evangelism is the broad topic, but ultimately we, we went into a lot of different things through that. Um, and so when you start to look at that you start to see this, led to this, which led to this, which led to this. And you think about all the scripture that, that came along with that. It's like, man, <laughs> I know a lot more than I give myself credit for sometimes. And I think they're, they're the uh, idea of, of quizzing them too. They start to, I think it's good for them because then it builds confidence to look and say, man, I know more than I realize, you know, cause sometimes they think they don't know anything and they're told that they don't know anything. A lot of times in, culture. And so I think it's important to take the time to help build that confidence in them too. You know, when you say, Hey, what does the Bible say about this? And they're like, well, it says in Matthew this, and they're like, Oh, hold up. I didn't even know I knew that. Like sometimes it, they can really surprise themselves. Um, and that's incredible. Um, and then another, another really cool thing too, is, um, if you have the kind of relationship with students that, um, that graduate and move on, if, especially if they're still in your church, go ask them about something random, see how much they actually, um, retained. Um, I've, I've been really fortunate to have, um, two of my former students actually come back and, and serve in our student ministry. And it's been really cool. Uh, one of them's leading one of our small groups and, uh, he was spouting out something. He was like, yeah, man, when I first got here, um, he was like, man, David was on this series and he told about the entire series. He talked about the scripture. We actually went to that scripture and I was like, dude, I preached that nine years ago. Like that's nuts to me. And he, like, he nailed it. Um, and it was just like, man, it's really cool to see these students being able to then turn around and pour into then that next generation. And so, um, I just think that's so cool, um, that you guys do that. Um, so we had talked a little bit before, uh, just as I was getting to know you, um, and I asked a question um, that I think is going to be really, really important for those who maybe are hearing this and thinking, man, maybe I do too much topical stuff, and maybe we do need to dive deeper into scripture. Um, what are three things that you believe will help foster biblical literacy in our students? Oh, now I got to remember what I told you. Um, I mean, I, I think if I can re rehash back to our conversation the, the, the first is, I mean, having a plan. And I think that when we teach, having a plan is super important because then we don't jump around from thing to thing. And then we end up, after we do thing two, we go back to thing one again, and then we go to thing three. And it, we, we have a plan of how we're going to do it. And some of us are great at having a plan. I mean, I've mentioned on Sunday mornings, I use a curriculum. I use a curriculum that I know for 52 weeks, I have lessons that are going to start at some point and they're going to end at some point and they're going to take me somewhere and they're going to hopefully take my students that are fairly regular on Sunday mornings to the places that they uh, need need to go and it helps me because of one I'm not having to reinvent the wheel all the time and I'm able to um, you know figure things out a, a little bit better uh, but also it gives me a little bit of a ability to um, teach in a way that that I know they're going to get things that, that may not be the things I want to teach, but they're going to get things that are, um, that are, you know, wide, 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 you know, kind of wide spaced in scripture. And they're going to go to some things that I don't always 
um, teach. The second one, I just pulled up my answer, so now I remember what I said. Um, the second one is uh, narrative uh, passages in the Old Testament. I think sometimes we're scared and we, we forget the Old Testament exists. Um, I mentioned my, my seminary training that I had after college. And I'm super thankful for that. I know that not everybody's in the position to be able to do that when they go to college, after college, before they jump into ministry. But one thing I fell in love with in college was the Hebrew language, in seminary was the Hebrew language. And um, I mean, I can't take my Hebrew Bible like I could back then, you know, read certain passages, but I can, I know where to go to find the tools and how to, you know, take those Old Testament passages and go back to the original languages, whether it's using a website or using some kind of software to help me get to what the original writers of the scripture intended. And because the Old Testament times are different than times today. And, but at the same time, those stories are so rich. And uh, sometimes I'll come across things I don't ever remember being taught and when I'm teaching my students those things, it teaches me something new. And the kids are like, that's in the Bible. It's always kind of cool when we do that, because that that kind of gives the kids a wider breadth of uh, of biblical, you know, biblical knowledge, because we're not just teaching the same things. And, and kind of the last one was uh, using different methods to teach. I mean, we all, if you study psychology or you study learning uh, habits, I'm, I'm married to a teacher, so I hear lots about those things. And my undergraduate degree is in psychology. But everybody learns differently. I mean, you may learn differently than I learn. And uh, as we sit in a room of students, they all are going to learn different. I am the least artistic person on the planet. I am the least musical person on the planet. But I love music and I like doing artistic stuff on a computer because I don't have to actually physically draw. The computer does it for me. But I have kids that are the opposite of that. They love to be creative with the arts and they love to draw and to do musical things or to do come up with skits that relate to the lesson that we're teaching and having them that opportunity to do that it's so cool when I do you know come down off my high horse and decide okay we're gonna do something different today in the way those kids that sometimes don't engage engage with that random thing that I decided to do and they get something out of that it shows me okay I've got to remember not everybody learns like I do so I've got to be, be able to mix those things up. And we try to do things that, you know, hit on all the different types of learners here so they can learn um, learn in different ways. Because not everybody learns like, like our parents did, where you can just sit there and talk to them for 30 minutes and they're going to take notes and they're going to take their notes home and study them. That's not how most of our kids are going to remember. And one thing that's been a challenge to me here recently is you talked about ADHD and I think everybody in youth ministry or some, if you, if you work in youth ministry, you probably had it or have it in some way, but uh, I know I do. And I have a hard time paying attention sometimes. And, but we take that for granted in our students when we teach them, because a lot of them have those same issues and some are medicated, some are not, but they need to be doing something while you're teaching sometimes. And hopefully it's not ignoring you, but like I have one, one student and she's incredibly intelligent and she's actually the daughter of our, our worship minister here. And she uh, will crochet or knit. I get the two mixed up. I'm not sure which is which, but she has yarn, has needles and she'll sit back there in the youth room and she'll do that while I'm teaching. And it, it helps her. And one time I kind of forgot that she did that. And I called her out on it, that she wasn't paying attention. And I got like, eagle evil eyes from my wife when that happened and it just reminded me oh yeah that's what she does she hadn't been here in a while but that's what she does to, to focus and we've got to learn to you know adapt away from our kind of locked in ways of teaching to to help some of our students learn and having a teenager that lives in my own house has really taught me that a lot because my 16 year old does not learn does not study does not do anything the way I did it but that does not mean it's wrong 
And for the beginning, sometimes I thought it was wrong, but my wife has helped guide me as she does in many things to remind me that there's a lot of research out there that says everybody's different in how they learn. And we've got to be willing to go outside of our comfort zone to help kids learn. I'm so glad you said that. Honestly, uh, my wife and I talk a lot about that. She's also a teacher. I'm starting to find a like common thing. Like it seems like every youth pastor wife is a teacher in some way. <laughs> I don't know if it's just, it's a good combo. Um, health, honestly, health insurance is what it's called. Health insurance. That, that's... There it is. Unless, <laughs> unless your wife works in a Christian school that doesn't offer that. And then you're just Ooh, in trouble. That, yeah. you <laughs> right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that's so important. We I've had um, adult leaders in the past get onto some of our students. I have a couch in the very back. Um, and I've I'm like, man, why don't you you force them to come be here with everybody else? And I'm like, because sometimes you get an introverted kid who when you put them in, when you ask them to sit in a big crowd of people, there's just no way they're going to pay attention. Um, I, there's even, I've, I have a student who's um, not really autistic, but has a lot of autistic traits in the sense where um, she has a lot of sensory stuff. And, um, you know, if it gets too loud in there, she'll just leave. Like she can't handle it and she'll, she'll have panic attacks over it. And so I let her sit in the back and, you know, she's not too close to anybody, but I always have our students, you know, go check in and make sure she's okay. You know, different things like that. But, you know, she won't get a thing if we force her to go, go up where, you know, and sit with everybody else. And so I think it's really important to, to think about that. And, you know, if you, if you have to, like, I've, I've been the kind of, youth pastor who have given out fidget cubes and people are like those things still exist if you are autistic or um, have heavy adhd you know that they exist um, my, my son is more than likely autistic and um, he's a little little young to diagnose but you know you constantly have to have that and so for him when he's in class they give him this little car and he rolls it very quietly in the inside of his desk and without that car he can't focus at all it gives his hands at something tactile to touch and he can pay attention. You take that away. He won't learn a thing. Like, it's just crazy how many different, different things that uh, students need um, to be able to, to learn. But I think it's really important to lean into that and give them every opportunity to learn and grow and, and, you know, rotating that around. I think that's really cool that y'all do that. Yeah. And you can't let it go too far sometimes because it, sometimes other kids will see the accommodations you're making for somebody and you have to, you have to adapt. And, and one of the things that's hard is some of the kids claim that their phone is their coping mechanism sometimes. And I struggle with that because I mean, I've been in youth ministry long enough that, you know, flip phones were the thing and you had to press each button five times to get a letter. And it, it now, I mean, nine, baby. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, I, my first text message came in my first full-time youth ministry job. I'll never forget. I got a phone and it flipped. I was like, this is something I don't even know. And now we got baby computers in our hands, but it, Having that issue, I think, is the one that, that I struggle with the most is the phone part of it. Like, I, I've not been the guy that passes the basket around and says, put your phones in the basket and then we'll get them back later. Because if I do that, then they'll all do the same thing they were doing on their Apple Watches. And I don't want to take up Apple Watches and phones and all that stuff. But just having a, 
a good, you know, letting them know, hey, when you call them out to stop playing the game on your phone when you're sitting in the front row, that's not a way that helps you pay attention because it's hard to do both those at the same time. But I think that we just have to adapt and adjust. And for anybody that may be listening that's been in youth ministry for a long time, like me, I don't feel old. I mean, I'm 44 years old. Um, yeah. uh, 40 44 yeah 44 I always forget how old I am I have to ask my wife but I always feel old and like at camp a couple weeks ago they had these these pins for how many years you'd been in youth ministry on the youth pastor's lanyards and I looked around and I'd been in youth ministry longer than almost everybody in the room and I was like it just means I started young but uh when it comes to that I think we have to be willing to continue to learn I think a lot of times we stop learning. We want to get lazy, get complacent in what we do. But the more we learn, the more we do things like listen to this podcast. And I mean, you go back and look at some of the guests that y'all have had throughout the years. I mean, y'all y'all have had some incredible people on here. And if you're new to this podcast, I mean, I, I would encourage you to go back and listen to some of the old ones because there's some great people that have come on this show way, way better at youth ministry than I am that have just great nuggets of things that can help you. And that's the thing to continue to learn. Yeah, for sure, man. I, there's, I've been blown away. Um, we have, we do our best to have a a good wide array, um, whether you're brand new to youth ministry or you're a seasoned vet like you. Um, I think it's important to have something for everyone, you know, and, and one thing that I've always am like, I'm not surprised by it. I know it, but it's always so cool to hear, um, something that a new youth pastor is doing that I'm like, man, I would have never thought of that. You know, like I, I still have to remind myself sometimes that free CDs and pizza and Mountain Dew um, don't work as well as they did 20 years ago. <laughs> um, I could remember the days of handing out a CD and you're like, yes, I got a CD or yes, I got a t-shirt for free. And now it's like, can't you give me like a $25 gift card? I'm like, dang, do you have $25 to be given? Yeah, the uh, before I sat down on the Zoom today, I had a CD rack that was behind me, and I sent my wife a picture of where I was sitting, and she goes, you should move that rack. I said, why? And she goes, I bet you haven't used that rack in like three years. I said, look, think about five or 10. It was full of CDs and DVDs that like <laughs> don't ever use anymore. But like used to back in youth ministry, you got that like interlink DVD that had all the Christian music videos and came with all the new CDs to give out. And like now... Uh, you give a kid a CD, they don't even know what to do with it. They use a Frisbee. Right. I, uh, funny thing is I found in storage, like three boxes full of CDs and they were interlink CDs. And I just put them out and just said, Hey, anybody want to go on a nostalgia kick with me? And they dug through them. And I, I, what's funny is most of them were like, okay, no, I could just get this on Apple. But one student crazy enough, she, and it, our pastor's daughter, and she, never ceases to amaze me. She's 13 years old and she's incredible. Um, but, uh, she was like so blown away and she knew what CDs were, but she had never like been able to really dig through a box of CDs before and see what was cool. And so she grabbed like 20 of them and then she begged her dad for a CD player. And it was so funny finding out, but she, she really wanted a Walkman CD player and she was showing me images and stuff. And she was like, I didn't know CD players were so expensive. Like you had to spend tons of money. I was like, what are you talking about? They were like 10 bucks at Walmart. The very CD player I had in high school that, you know, you walked around and you, I mean, I, I can remember, I, I could tell you when I saw the image that she sent me, it was $300 now on eBay 
And I can even tell you, I could tell you when I bought that CD player. I could tell you the first CD I ever played. It was Reliant K's mm album in 2004. I remember very, very well how many times I played that CD until it got all scratched up. And then I went and bought another one. <laughs> but I mean, it was, was on the rack behind me, by the way. That, that CD Let's was- go. I'm so, yeah, I'm so love some Reliant K. Reliant K, I've seen them five times live and they are great every time speaking of music i love making my students listen to like uh, old christian music like 90s stuff or early 2000s back when mm-hmm. i was into it and we my wife and i my favorite band in college was cademan's call and uh, let's go they've been broken up for a while but they did a kickstarter this past year and did a reunion show one night or turned into two nights only at the ryman in nashville and i surprised my wife and we went to nashville and went and saw that show and oh, oh my gosh. gosh it took me back to college so but around that oh, time that. I was making my kids, they're supposed to come do a show in Texas, but they keep postponing it. But uh, it was amazing. But I kept making my kids listen to Cadman's Call. And they're like, what is this? I'm like, this is Cadman's Call. <laughs> best Christian music of all time. And they're like, no, it's not. I'm like, but, they're like, but Bethel sounds like, and I was like, but, but Bethel is this, <laughs> you know? And then, then my mind goes to, let me tell you why Bethel is, no. There's some interesting issues with some of that band these days too, but, um, really? but the music, the music is still that concert, man, oh my gosh, took me back 20 years, but uh, oh, man. that's so cool. And we could, we can nerd out about this all day. Oh, but my wife I'm sure. Like, my wife goes, she looks over at me we were sitting like the fourth row and she looks over at me and she goes you're a fangirl you're gonna buy like every souvenir they have aren't you i'm like i've already got the autograph poster and the t-shirt and the hat uh-huh there you go <laughs> my guy my guy <laughs> i could you know you were talking about you know the creative type i i, I am that guy i i draw and i paint and mm-hmm. i graphic design and i i roast coffee i'm that nerd oh, wow. um, but um yeah, man, I, I think music is just this universal thing. Um, this last Sunday, um, we I'm also our worship pastor at our church. Oh, cool. And so um, I tagged the chorus of Heart of Worship to Living Hope. And I was singing through it, and I had somebody come up to me, and they're like, man, what's that new song you did? And I was like, <laughs> new song. And I was like, man, all of them were old. Which one are you talking about? And they're like, well, so, so something about Heart of Worship was just really pretty. And I was like, Oh my gosh, you think that's a new song? And and it, and the funny thing is I've done it. I mean, I guess not in the last year, but I've done it. I bring it back as often as possible because I just think it's like one of the most important worship songs ever written. Um, but I just did the chorus and I'm like, I, I need to hear more. And so I sent them a copy of it and they're like, How old is this song? I was like, you know, what I listened to when I was in youth. Um <laughs> and it was like the height. <laughs> it's funny because we always latch on to the type of music I think most of us do when God really grabbed a hold of us. For me, it was when I was in college and my pastor, he was about that same time. He's older than me, but it was those same years. And him and I love the same stuff. And we're always telling our worship pastor, hey, you should do this song. Hey, you, you should do this song. And she's like, I've never, she's younger. And she's like, I've never heard of that. And we're like, it's good. You should look it up. Like it's, it's and she'll listen to it. And she'll like, how old is this stuff? Like, this is old, <laughs> but you know, we just, we like what we like. So, mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, I look back on some of those songs and I've listened back to them. He's like, I mean, you're talking heart of worship and I mean, you're talking Michael W. Smith and stuff like that. And, and the, the way the song was done back then, I mean, you, you hear the first four bars and you're like, okay, this is old, yeah. but I mean, bring it into today's style. There's nothing wrong with that. It's like those lyrics are timeless, you know, those chords even, I mean, we can, 
you know, maybe it was just a four chord song, um, but maybe we throw a three, maybe we throw in some of these other like creative chords and make and bring it into 2023 and make it sound like a brand new song. It's incredible what you can do with some of those old songs like that. You, you even looked, I mean, you looked at movies, you looked at TV, you looked at secular music. I mean, they can't come up with anything new these days either. I mean, they're reinventing the same thing. I mean, Luke Combs has a massive hit right now with a Tracy Chapman song from 25 years ago. And so, I mean, it's just, they, I mean, people don't realize what was there in the past and they, they sometimes take it for granted, but uh, original thought is great, but being able to take some of that great stuff from back in the day and make it relevant today is, is pretty cool. Oh, for sure. Man, what an awesome topic. <laughs> I could we talk about this all day. Here, but... Well, you know, we did tell them we both have ADHD. So, you know, <laughs> you get what you pay for, I guess. Um so we had gone through the first two points. Actually, no, we went through all three uh, using a mixture of teaching methods. Um, man, I think all of those are just incredible um, ways that you can connect. The last thing I wanted to touch on, because it's always kind of a hard thing, especially for younger youth pastors, it can be uh, really daunting. I know with the ones that I, I talk to and mentor, um, but teaching in say the harder stuff like revelations or um or even um some of the more obscure stuff like I don't know why judges is popping in my head, but you know, even even judges can be a little tough. I mean, you know, you get to what chapter two and dude's like stabbing this dude and like his entrails become his ex. I mean, it gets graphic at times. And so what what do you tell to maybe that younger youth pastor or maybe someone who, who struggles with going into some more obscure stuff or the harder stuff, um, what advice would you give? One of the best things about teaching the Bible is the Bible's been around for a really long time. And lots of people have come before us and taught these really hard things. And with the, the internet now and, and you know software like Logos and different things you can get, you can get a a breadth depth of commentary on all these things you can see how people have taught it before and nobody says you have to teach it this it's not you're not getting a, a phd in whatever topic it is you don't have to have original research on this biblical topic most likely you're not going to break new ground that has not been broken before so i would say to go look for a commentary go look for a book that is written on that topic because even if you if you teach something that's difficult like that and it's going to have weird stuff in it, your students are going to ask you weird questions. And the better prepared you can be for the weird questions going in, the, the better it's going to be and keep the lesson from going totally off the rails. And you also have to know that a student may ask you a question you don't know the answer to about that because they their mind took it way deeper than you ever did in the beginning and just say, hey, I don't know that answer right now, but but I will look it up. I will find that answer and I will get back to you. That's way better than making something up because if you make something up, then they're going to Google it and then they're going to realize you made something up and then it's going to be difficult for you at the same time. But but I would say just try to be faithful with it. I mean, it's God's word. And if you're faithful in it, God will help you communicate it to kids and God will lead you to the places. There is some stuff in Revelation that you can go and teach and it can be great. And there's some other stuff in there that I don't know how much I've handled and taught in my 20 years of youth ministry, but there's always stuff we can find. I mean, there's great stories and judges. You mentioned that. I mean, there's things that we can talk about. It's, it's always interesting to me because I have students uh, read the scripture aloud when we're, when we're teaching, I don't read a lot of the scripture. I make them do it because I want them to have a Bible in front of them and I want them to, to look it up. And I, they don't bring a Bible. I provide a Bible because I'd rather them do that than use their phones. So we, we do that and they look it up and I'll never forget about a year ago. Um, 
we were going through through a passage and it was talking about uh, prostitution a little bit in the Bible and it had the word whore and had the word prostitute. And oh my gosh, one of my girls got the same girl that knits actually got there and just stopped and looked at me and said, can I say that out loud? And I was like, yes, you can say that word out loud, but we're in church. I was like, but it's in the Bible. So we, we can go there. So we just have to be be careful sometimes, but at the same time, I think it's all there for a reason. And I mean, just be kidding. If you're going to teach on a topic that's super sensitive from a part of scripture, I mean, heaven forbid you want to take your youth through a series on the Song of Solomon or Song of Songs, talk to the parents first. Be like, this is where we're going to go so they know. But um, I can honestly say never taught that to my teenagers in church since I've, I've been here. I've read some books on it, been to some teaching on it, but mm-hmm. some things just aren't appropriate for that that setting but just just you Agreed. know be faithful go look go look for somebody to help you do it talk to your pastor he may have some sermons on it i know even my pastor was preaching a passage this sunday he was preaching on a ananias and sapphira acts chapter five i believe it is where he was at and he got up and he he follows alistair Begg a lot in some different places when he's stuck and he said he got to working on his sermon and he's like i needed some inspiration so i looked at the two places i go and look it was one of them was alistair Begg. can't remember the other one Neither one of them in thousands of sermons they had preached had preached on the passage he was preaching on. And he was like, well, I guess I picked a hard one and I guess I'm gone my own a little bit on this one. So if your pastor can go look up for some help, you can definitely go look up for some help. That's a really good point. Honestly. Um, I think it's, it's, it's important too. Um, you had mentioned, and I'm glad that you did because I was going to, if you didn't is not being afraid to tell them, I don't know. And, And say, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, we're most youth pastors aren't that old, you know, and, and and just like you said, sometimes even our senior pastors don't know. And sometimes those senior pastors, 55, 60 years old, whatever it might be. And so um, they may not know the answer either. And so sometimes you actually have to take the time to, you know, use that Google magic and and ask those questions, ask the, t- the tough questions, but don't be afraid um, to also dive in and see where the students take you um, on some of those. Um, I had a question um, last semester that um, was such a good question. We got to talking about, um, I can't remember exactly how we got there, but asked the question um, about Judas and said, you know, do you think that Judas is in hell for killing himself? And I'm like, oh, we're going deep, deep today, you know? And so, um, and we had some really good conversation and um, got to kind of go around and ask and, you know, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And, you know, and and it's all speculation um, in a lot of ways, Um, but at the same time, not being afraid to say, okay, but then at the same time, also know what's appropriate to your your group and your students because I am approaching 20 years this year and uh, I have also not talked about Song of Solomon, not even once, Um, won't. (laughs) Um, There's just things that you shouldn't touch. And I think that there's there's a point where parents should be able to allow, be allowed to be parents. And even though we are expected to be parents sometimes, doesn't necessarily mean that we're the appropriate person to share specific topics. So I think that's important. Yeah. And that's one thing I've learned throughout my time in youth ministry. When we're young in youth ministry, sometimes we do some things that are stupid and we don't ask for permission and we just do and expect forgiveness. But as you get older in youth ministry, just by your age, you sometimes demand is the wrong word, but parents respect you a little bit more because you've been there, done that. You're not the young, crazy 
guy. And now that I have a, a 16 year old that lives with me, um, realizing raising kids is harder than what I thought it was. Um, that also helps that, you know, because some of those parents are now my peers too, because it's not, I'm not the young guy. I'm not the crazy person. I'm the one that, I mean, we hang out with their parents just because they're kind of our friend group sometime as well. So it can be a thing, but we all have to live and learn and make mistakes. And I can learn lots from new youth pastors. I've, you were mentioning that, like I said, we were at camp a couple weeks ago, I keep talking about it, but we always had these youth pastor meetings at night. And one of the guys in there, man, he was so on fire. And every night he was talking about stuff. And I didn't know him. I think he was from a church in Mississippi and he was talking about what was going on in their group and just all these things God was doing. And it was incredible. And the last night he goes, man, I just want to thank all you veterans and youth ministry for what you do, because this is my first year. I have no idea what I'm doing. And we're just all looking at him like, man, we think you, you got to figure it out. Like you're doing fine. Like if everything's going, like you say, you're, you're doing fine. I've learned a lot from you this week. So it, it can, we can, it goes both ways, but, but I definitely think, you know, making sure that you go look for help if you need it. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong. We don't have to live on an Island. And a lot of times in youth ministry, we feel like we're on an Island and we have no help. But, but there's lots of help. This podcast, I mean, there's there's lots of places you can go to, to listen and, and to learn lots and lots of resources out there that make youth ministry easy um, in a lot of ways, a lot of things, the games, the resources like that that exist for, for not a lot of money that you can get. And some of it, you can create it yourself. It's free. But for me, I usually go and spend a little bit of church money on it just to cut into my time so I don't spend as much time making it all. Well, man, I really appreciate your time. Uh, man, it's just such a good topic. And obviously we can, we can talk for hours and hours on this, but, um, if you are listening and want to know more, um, we'll make, uh, Steven's information available. Please, please reach out, um, to any of us, to Steven, and we would love to, to dive deeper, um, with any of you guys that w would like to, to know more about this topic. Um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we would be honored if you would share our podcast with your youth pastor friends or on social media. Uh, you could tag a specific episode that really stood out to you or your favorite platform um, by using at talk student men. Finally, if you would like to be on the show in the future, like Steven, um, please reach out to us on social media or send us an email to podcast at studentministryconversations.org. We'd love to set up a time for, to, for you to join us. Have a great week and we will catch you guys on the next one.